Hello and welcome to the Taste of Your Music podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 40-year career in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of a weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with artists and music industry insiders with the goal of entertaining and educating the listening audience, all while giving a voice to the music makers that are underserved or ignored by mainstream media. Singer-songwriter Sarah Morgan and I go back a ways now. I was the first DJ to play her music on the radio circa 2014 or so. We did a Tasty Brew Music podcast episode back in 2019. She has released in the summer of 2021 a very personal project called Another Nail. In this conversation, you'll hear how the process differed with this, her first Nashville effort with producer Eric Kahn, from her previous self-released records. We take a dive into what the Heartland does well and what it does best to support roots musicians like Sarah. She shares her opinion as to the necessity of the music industry being here or not, and what she believes are the keys to any success and longevity she may have in the industry. Sarah shares her summer reading list, present listening habits, insights garnered from personal contact with industry favorites Loretta Lynn and Radney Foster, biggest surprise of 2021, and plans for the next five to ten years. It's all here in this episode of the Tasty Brew Music Podcast with the Heartland's Sarah Morgan. I have on the phone with me this morning, Sarah Morgan. Hey, how's it going? From the uh, the lovely metropolis of Tonganoxie, Kansas. Yep. I have metropolis. A, I know. I have not. I have not seen or talked to you since you moved out there. There's a lot. There's a lot of water under the bridge since we've seen each other. I had a chance to talk, so I'm, I'm looking forward to doing a little catch up with you right now. So much, so much. Yeah. I mean, I haven't talked to much of anybody. I just kind of hid out yeah, here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that you're not alone in that. Yeah. You're not alone in that. I mean, I completely did a shift and a pivot, as a lot of folks did. But uh, yeah. an, another nail. This new record has been in the works for like two years. The CD releases tonight. It's solo acoustic in the Gospel Lounge. It is now sold out. There's so much new music coming out right now. The floodgates are open. Does it feel weird or familiar to be going through this process of releasing a new record right now? It's very weird. It was a naturally occurring thing there for a while. You know, that's just kind of what you do. It's the cycle of the job, but it's just no rules now. There's nothing consistent. Nobody knows how to promote a record at all and everybody's clamoring for every spot that's available so i don't know putting out a record now is like trying to buy a house <laughs> there's like 30 other people in front of you yeah or find a used car at a reasonable uh, price that's yeah pretty yeah crazy. decently priced <laughs> well you know when the pandemic first happened i shut down like a lot of people did i mean i didn't even do my show for two months i had somebody else coming in here to do it and there wasn't really a lot of new music coming to me but starting in about january or february the floodgates opened and folks that have been sitting on content have de- had decided to release it whether they were going to be able to go out and tour in support of it or not and from my perspective you lead a lyrical life versus a musical one you have foregone the traditional country artist path of record tour record tour you have not moved to nashville or turned your soul and music over to the the so-called music city machine you, you don't lock yourself in a room every day with at least two other songwriters and churn out product some of my favorite artists are questioning whether they're going to continue 
continue to pursue a music career or not. What did this lockdown reveal to you about how you may conduct your your musical life moving forward? You know, you're you totally have me pegged. I write songs all day. I don't. I definitely am not part of that machine though. And for me, I was weirded out at first, and I was also really mad. <laughs> like no because things were going so well right before all of it but the silver lining to it is that there's a gigantic space for new people right now i mean it's just wide open the windows open and whoever's brave enough to crawl through it is i think going to reap the benefits of being willing to do that and that that's what we're planning on doing is just crawling through the window and you know running full speed ahead into that open space and and attempting to be the first one to draw well i from my perspective as a curator of music and someone that has the ability to, to go on the radio a couple of times a week and play whoever I want and and whatever I want. It's it's kind of a double-edged sword. There's so much content coming to me right now and I yeah, am trying yeah. to listen to it and find other ways to release it or to get it out there you know with social media and with podcasts and all that you know all those kind of avenues available to me and now with the Heartland Song Network uh, founding it it's allowing me to get more content out there and to share yeah. Artists with folks. With many songwriters, your songs have always come for the most part from a very personal, vulnerable place, and Another Nail is no exception to that. But folks like me, we don't have the ability to write songs to work through all the trauma and the drama. This was your first Nashville recording experience, and I read where your producer said that this record, Another Nail, was recorded mostly over a period of about five days with just a couple of overdubs, no vocal tuning, very little editing. The goal of capturing a live performance, not unlike what we're going to hear tonight in the Gospel Lounge. For those local artists or or regional artists who are totally do-it-yourself, how was the experience of recording, mastering, releasing this record different from the other five EPs and albums that you've, you've done? Well, I mean, it was extremely different. I have never worked in Nashville. I didn't have any plans to work in Nashville. Uh, things had just kind of worked really well for me over the last, I don't know, five or six years. And this was just weird. <laughs> I mean, because I don't think that my experience was normal. When you have a producer like Eric Kahn, who was willing to stick his neck out for you and and basically use every connection he's got to to get you where you want to go. So so when I, I started cutting the record, just walking into Allentown and having no clue what Allentown was, he said, you know, we're going to go cut here. Don't Google it. Don't research anything. You won't find anything anyway. And then, then walking in and still not knowing where I was. And then having people like Michael Rhodes and Eddie Bayer show up. And I just didn't know who I was around or what I was doing. You know, and I, I just assumed that this was how things worked, I guess, because that's how things were working for me. And and, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just Eric has stuck his neck out for me in a way that I'm not sure people get an, everybody gets an Eric Khan. And I'm just really lucky to have made the record. As for recording it live, I've never done that before. I mean, the whole thing's live. So what you hear is what I played and sang with the band at the time. So it was definitely weird thinking back about having cut things live with musicians like that. Because I didn't know them. And I think the naivety of where I was and what I was doing is probably the only reason I was able to do it at all. How did you come to know Eric? Who made that that introduction? How did that? So this is a long spider web, and if you remove, you know, one 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 Jenga piece, it all falls apart. But I met him, Chuck Ainley, Mick, never been to Nashville for Average Jane, and I said, you know, this was your mix. Who would you like to have it mastered by? And he 
sent me over to Eric. I went to Eric and he, he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll master it. I'll master the whole thing. And so he mastered it. And I decided to go drop by and say hi and thank him in person for doing the work. And well, So you hadn't even and, met him? No, I hadn't met him at all. But that, that's how it usually works yeah. for mixing and mastering. Typically, you don't meet your engineers. And I'm a part of my records from beginning to end. I mean, I'm going to sit in on every mix session, every single session that the engineer will let me be there in. I'm going to be there yeah. because I enjoy that. And and a lot of people go in in Nashville and they'll cut with the band. They'll lay their scratch track and then they'll leave. And they won't come back and lay their parts. The band and the producer will finish the work and they won't lay their parts until the tracks are all mixed and done. And and we, we did it the polar opposite way, just like everything else I do. <laughs> Upstream with the salmon, I guess. But You had me at Dan Dugmore. When I saw his right? name on this, I thought, well, number one, I, I didn't know he was still, you know, on this side of the ether. But yeah. he he is iconic pedal steel player with the Laurel Canyon, California scene with Linda Ronstadt and those folks. Yeah. And I saw his name on this record and I thought, holy cow, how did she pull that out of her hat? So It wasn't my hat. It was Eric's hat. But like I went by to, to meet him and say hi and he had a little dog named Chaco. And I loved the dog so much that we kept going back. Carl and I kept going back and we would take treats for the dog. And while Carl and Eric were getting to know each other, I wasn't paying attention to all of the multi-platinum records on the wall that they had worked on. I had no idea. Yeah, you were in Nashville. That's kind of I was, part of the scene. I know. Areas. I was distracted by the dog. Well, you know, you come from a small rural community, and folks that have been following our journey and, and our connection over the years know that a number of your songs champion living in or returning to the country or, or small town mm-hmm. life. When I met you, you were living in your mother's basement in Johnson County with a crazy cat. Yes. And you are now married, living outside Tonganoxie, Kansas. Small town living, but right next to a pretty thriving city music scene. I want to ask you about the Heartland music scene. And by that, I don't mean just Kansas City, but I just kind of, this region, you know, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas. What do you feel is missing from the Heartland music ecosystem for someone like you? What's missing? Missing? I actually don't feel like there's that much missing. I just feel like the best parts of it are kept a very intentional secret from everybody else. Like, almost a bit exclusive. Like it's it's a thing that they have and they don't want it they don't want it I don't I don't want to say ruined because I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth but it's just getting the word out about what's out here there are so many shows so many circuits there's so many radio stations who are so nice um, I feel like actually the only thing that's missing are people you know in the car going going from station to station because they'll have you they will as for I mean have you found I, that there's that much industry here I mean in your search or in your analysis of what whether you're going to use a radio program or, or booking agent or, you know, any of kind of the staples that one might find for an artist. Are those people here in the heartland or do you have to go to Nashville or Austin or Asheville to find them? Are the ins- You don't. I don't think you do. I really don't. I mean, I ended up there to make the record, but my philosophy has been, it's really just been the opposite. And it wasn't intentional. It was just what I was comfortable with. I've gone to where I'm comfortable. And I, I think typically the way that the industry works is people go to Nashville, they write for 10 years with co-writers, they hope to get a hit off of something, which is totally cool. It's, it's the way the business works. And then they work from the inside out. They work to build clout. And then they go out 
And we've just decided to work from the outside until we happen to get in. And so I would say that they are, because without the all of the people I've met in the Midwest, there's no way that I would know anybody that I do know in Nashville. I mean, all of the connections for the people that I've met there have come from people in the Midwest region who, who have been willing to vouch for me. And, and there's so much that goes on behind the scenes in the email inbox, you know, that, that nobody knows about of people who are pushing you and making connections for you and things like that. And I supported myself before the last year with pretty much just the Midwest. What, what I like and what I'm, what I want, I think is maybe a bit different. I like the heartland and I, I, I kind of prefer this. <laughs> what do you what do you think we do the best? We're not Nashville, we're not Austin. What does the music ecosystem in the Heartland? What do we do best or perhaps better? Um, authenticity, hands down. I mean, you you tend to find people who are easily accessible, easy to talk to, who are nice. And it and even when you're going into Cumulus or iHeart stations in some of the bigger cities in the Heartland, they're still so willing to have you. And in in the bigger cities on the coast, you know, you you really do kind of get get people's noses turned up at you a bit unless you already have uh, certain things attached to you. I I just think that the hospitality and the authenticity of of what goes on musically in the Heartland is. I mean, it's why I've stayed. It's why I've stayed too. It, it's, yeah. it's why I have chosen to spend whatever time I've got left on the planet by the founding of the Heartland Song Network to do what I can to elevate the art of the song and songwriting through education, collaboration, and mentorship because I do believe that we have Olympic level athletes here in terms of music, but we, and I say this all the time, we've tra- we we allow them to be furniture movers. We're not giving them the, the support that they need to be what they are, and, and that's what artists and if we've learned anything through this pandemic music is essential it is absolutely essential for our for our <sighs> mental health yeah. and for our our well-being yeah. you know people may be surprised to know what outside interests their favorite musical artists you know follow i know that you are a very avid reader and that you've stu- you studied world history and politics what what are you reading right now and and what would you recommend what would i recommend i'm quite literally in my bathroom looking at all the books that are in here right now <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry, The Federalist Papers. We've been reading The Federalist Papers, too. You know, Um. Danny's got a (laughs) master's degree in political science, so this has been a heyday for that sort of reading, for sure. Yeah. C.S. Lewis, I've I've read quite a bit of that over the last year, and it's just, I mean, I would really recommend The Screwtape Letters. Anybody who asks me what, if I can recommend one book to somebody, that's what I would recommend. It's just, it's fabulous. And if you don't have time for the whole thing, the pamphlet of uh, Screwtape Proposal, Pose of the Toast is just one of those. C.S. Lewis, is the, he's just so great. I love him. I got so many books, man. I've, I've, I'm still halfway through the story of World War II. I've read so much. I can't remember. Yeah. Those well, are a few of them. I had the goal of reading lots of books. I have a stack of No Depression magazines that go back about 20 years, and there's mm-hmm. so much great content in there. And I pull one out every once in a while and read two or three articles, but I have found that my, my attention span is not that great right now. And <laughs> <laughs> to sit down and to read an entire book takes a lot of discipline, and it is something that I don't have right now. You've opened for and shared the stage, you know, with some of the biggest names in country music and Americana. I've been there, you know, twice when you've met Loretta Lynn, and she gave you some great advice. But what are some of the other insights or advice that you've gotten from people like uh, Radney Foster or Rodney Crowell or, or some of these other artists that you've been able to maybe have a conversation with either before or after the show? Show. Somebody 
you like Rodney Foster? He is one of the nicest guys on the Isn't planet. He, okay. he is so nice. And he sat down because I opened for him one night at the club, and he knucklehead. And he he sat for I don't know, probably an hour to an hour and a half, just talking to me after the show, and you know, handed me his card and stuff. We were talking, and he gave me a bottle of wine, and he was just talking about how if you want to do it, just do it. Like just do it. I was like, yeah. I mean, the pieces of advice that you get from people who have been successful are so simple. It's not anything that overly complicated or it's so simple that it's extremely profound. Does that make sense? It does. And, uh, you know, I had the opportunity to sit down with Radney as well in Red River, New Mexico, right before the pandemic. And he was so gracious and relaxed. I mean, he was going out of his way to make me feel comfortable because he knew that I was nervous about talking to him because he's one of my musical idols. And I have found that speaking to a lot of these folks like Radney and Daryl Scott and John Oates and Jim Lauderdale and these wonderful, wonderful people that you put up on this pedestal that have, like you say, some of the most down-to-earth, homespun insights that have worked for them. And it's why they have been successful and why they keep their eye on the price and don't give up because it they know who they are. They know who they are and what they're capable of, of and what they want to do. I know that you love classic rock music, especially Boston. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are you listening to right now? Do you create playlists? Is there a current artist out there, regardless of genre, that you think, hey, they're really cool. I'm going to I'm gonna tell somebody to listen to them. You know, I have read so many books and stuff over the last year that I've kind of turned off music. But the one thing I have gotten into a lot is this XM station called Serious XM chill chill <laughs> because it doesn't really have words and sometimes if i have words rolling around in my brain i'll turn that on and i'll listen to that and find a cadence that i like and i'll go okay i'll just go i'll go make this a four four song or whatever you know it's kind of another way to actually declutter my brain but the thing that i am listening to and i'm not saying it because she's my friend i'm saying it because it's really good is amanda fish's new demo record it's i love it and I can't wait for it to come out. Is she going to be there tonight? Is she yeah. Coming? Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is Sarah Morgan. She has a CD release today. Another Nail is the name of the record. It is out on all the platforms. She has her CD released tonight at Gospel Lounge at Knuckleheads. It is sold out, but they've made the decision to stream that show. I think if you go to knuckleheadskc.com, all the information will be there on how to access uh, the show tonight. Will Carl be joining you, Carl Butler, with guitar he is running sound for me tonight i am uh by myself <laughs> playing all these songs tonight so it's the uh been a ride it's been about seven years and six records and a handful of singles since we first connected what's the biggest surprise about your corner of the so-called music business what's what's the biggest surprise right now that seven years later i'm still doing this at all yeah i mean completely honest because i wasn't i mean i've, I've never been been shy about wanting to be the writer and being the performer was not something I set out to do and so every time I I play a show like tonight where something is sold out to watch me sing songs I'm always weirded out by that and I get really really nervous because it, it wasn't the thing that I intended on I didn't intend on being an entertainer but I guess if I'm entertaining naturally then that's fine well I think that from my perspective you were first very nervous about being mm-hmm. on stage and you did tell me you didn't want to be a performer but over the years and you've opened for so many great people and done so many shows on your own I think that I sense that you're more looking outward than inward and you are aware 
aware of the audience and who's listening and, and who isn't. So are your antennas still up with regard to creating a hook or, or capturing a lyric? Oh, all the time. I mean, I write songs all the time, all day. And in just the last couple of weeks, I've written so many. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these songs. Probably nothing because they're probably not good enough to do anything with. But you just never know. And yeah, all the time. Anything anybody says is completely free game if you're around me. <laughs> well, you're a song farmer. And some things come up and sometimes they don't. They don't. Yes. And, you know, you've been doing this about 10 years now. You've been releasing albums and EPs and singles, worldwide pandemics and global conflicts notwithstanding. What do you see you yourself doing in the next, well, I'm going to say just next year, five to 10 years? Five to 10 years. Honestly, I made the decision about three years ago to just dive headfirst into what I was doing. I, I had to make a choice. I had to make a decision. I was either going to go write songs and have other people cut them and stop performing, or I was going to buckle down and uh, get good at the other part of this craft. And so in the next five to ten years, I plan on, Lord willing, just owning the world. Where I'm going to do it. Your guitar playing has definitely taken a, a turn, too. You, I, I think that you can pick now. You can pick. I, I mean, I can play. I, I usually try to keep it to a minimum because I've always just been really focused on the words. I don't want to play too much, and it, it distracts from what I'm trying to say. But thank you. Thank you. I have worked on it quite a bit. I sit at home a lot, walking around the kitchen while I I cook eggs with I, the guitar. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. Another Nail is the name of the CD. I'm going to play the title track, finish with this conversation. And I have a favorite on the album. I'm going to play another song of your choice after Another Nail. So you tell me what you would like for me to play from the record. If I have to pick a favorite of my own songs on the record to play, probably Rhinestone World. Because that's where I'm at and that's what I'm dealing with. You know, I'm... It's like uh, in the music industry, it feels like you're constantly searching for Jerusalem while you're stuck in Babylon. That one. (laughs) Okay, we'll play another nail in Rhinestone World. And I would be remiss if I didn't give you the opportunity to tell our listeners all things Sarah Morgan. What's the best place to access your social media, your schedule, uh, your music? What's the the best outlet? SarahMorganMusic.com for sure. We're really moving towards email lists for most updates. I mean, social media is still definitely thing, but it's just not quite as reliable as it used to be. So so that's SarahMorganMusic.com is the, is the spot for pretty much everything, and Sarah Morgan Music for all the other socials is the same as well. I have one last question. Yes, ma'am. Will there be live chickens at tonight's show? You know what? There won't be live chickens, but I really considered bringing a rabbit. <laughs> Okay. I'm still thinking about it. Well, we'll see. I'll hold it. I used to have a pet rabbit. I'm not scared. No. Oh, gosh. Well, thank <laughs> you. For, thank you for taking the time today. I know it's a, a busy day. It's an exciting day. CD release is always crazy, crazy town. I'll see you tonight uh, live at the Gospel Lounge. This is Sarah Morgan. Another nail. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. See you later. Bye-bye.
Could never 